It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contractor pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Locked on Vikings on the Locked on Podcast Network, episode 199. Just a step away from 200. Sam Ekstrom, Sage Rosenfels, concluding the week. TGIF, happy to get to the weekend. Yeah, I'm flying up there today, and I was hoping to play golf uh, later on this afternoon. Obviously, that was canceled. Whether I was in Omaha, which it's about 55 degrees and rain here, or probably 45 degrees and rain there, it's not golf weather yet, at least uh, at least not this weekend. Speaking of golf, have you played top golf before? I've done it before. Uh, there's actually right up by the Washington uh, Redskin um, practice facility, uh, I was out there last, actually last Memorial Day, now that I think about it. I was out there visiting some friends from when I played there, and uh, they have a new top golf facility there, so I gave it a try, and I hear one's coming to Minneapolis. Yes, that's that's where I was going with it. Brooklyn Center is getting a top golf, and this was just on my radar recently. I got told about this top golf thing, and since then I've heard about it like four different times, and now it's coming to Minneapolis, and it sounds like an absolute blast. I can't wait to play. I love golfing casually, but this sounds like a whole new element to it. I can't wait. I'm fired up about it. Yeah, this is sort of the perfect uh, date night thing or hanging out with some friends thing or got a couple of buddies to go, you know, just want to hit some balls and get, get a drink or something to eat. It's a pretty good time. It's uh, you know, it's sort of like bowling where you're just sort of hanging out and, and some, somebody's up uh, and then, but obviously you're, you're eating and drinking too. So I, I enjoy it. I think it's a pretty good deal and, and uh, I'm glad Minneapolis is getting one. I don't know how many months out of the year, if it's going to be some sort of 12 months out of the year thing in Minneapolis, I would assume so. They probably have like heated bays or something, but uh, uh, it, they're, they're spreading all over the country. It must be working. Yeah, I think the article said it was year round. So uh, hopefully that's the case. Natural transition here. Have you ever sat in a cryotherapy chamber? No, that was sort of a, that's a new thing over the last few years. They they weren't doing that. Uh, at least not many guys were doing that five years ago. Well, that is one of the many features of the new Vikings practice facility that I toured on Wednesday. Talked a bit about it on yesterday's show, but a cryotherapy chamber minus 130 degrees. That you can sit in and basically get a, a quicker ice bath. That's kind of the, the gist of it. Were you an ice bath guy? Yeah, especially during training camp. Uh, I think I think pretty much only during training camp was I an ice bath person. Uh, the rest of the year, practice isn't that hard for quarterbacks compared to the other players. But there's guys who do the ice bath thing uh, every single day, or they before practice they'll get in the uh, the the hot uh, whirlpool or whatever before practice, and a lot of times ice bath after practice. But I'm sure it'll help with a lot of guys with recovery. So basically, what the Vikings have set up at this new facility is a one-stop shop for every single need 
that they could imagine. So once this thing's all said and done, and once they've expanded kind of beyond the facility, they're going to build apartment buildings. They're going to build retail, restaurants, hotels. They're going to have the, the therapy center on site, the practice facilities on site. And they're kind of creating this estate or th- this village where Vikings players would, in theory, never have to leave. It's all going to be right there at their fingertips. Do you like that kind of model where everything's right there? Or was part of the experience of being an NFL player kind of going out and about and and discovering your new way in a new city? Well, I think a lot of things it's nice to have at the facility. You know, if you have to get an x-ray, an MRI, uh, it's always a pain to have to, you know, maybe on your off day to drive maybe into a downtown, whatever, you know, orthopedic surgeon office or whatever that the team is using and sometimes that can be a pain and it'd be nice to get all those things done right there you know it's the wills are real estate uh developers that's what they do and when you're developing real estate you can't just throw something up in the middle of nowhere uh you have to have a reason to why people want to be there and i think this practice facility being that they're really pulling out all the stops i mean it's it's way more than a practice facility as, as you saw yesterday uh, or the other day that, you know, because of it and all the things that are going to go into it within the community, you know, as we talked about high school games or lacrosse games and soccer games and other football games and, and all these other things that go into it, uh, it is going to be a magnet for, for businesses, for commercial, for people that would just want to live uh, around there. And I think it's a, it's a very, very smart move. I, I think it, it wouldn't be, I'm no real estate expert, my guess is it wouldn't be a great real estate play if it was just some, you know, Eden, like the Eden Prairie practice facility is now, there's not much of a draw there. But the way they are doing it, it's they, they, they're going to try to turn it into sort of a Minneapolis-St. Paul draw uh, or even just upper Midwest that a lot of upper Midwest people want to be there. Uh, and that's going to cause people to want to stay close by and, and people want to live close by and, and shop close by. The weight room, much, much bigger. They have a cardio track, like a mezzanine section. They've got uh, more treatment tables. They've got more pools. They have a bigger film room, bigger cafeteria, bigger locker room. Everything is bigger, bigger, bigger. It sounds like everything you could ever want in a practice facility. I mean, I honestly, it sounds like just an absolute Valhalla there in Egan that they're building. So that's going to be done March 1st. Right now, it's just basically a big mud pit with a bunch of steel beams kind of hanging around. But they'll get it filled out in the next few months here. Well, it's going to be the final product, obviously, for the for the practice facility. But, you know, as I, as I, uh, I think I can't remember who it was with – uh, with the Vikings that said this is really a 20-year project. I mean, the entire piece of property or in, in land that was purchased and is going to be slowly developed takes a long time. So this is a long-term project. And again, you know, the the, the Vikings waited a long time to do this, and, and they decided if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. So uh, obviously there's a lot of money being dumped into this thing by the Welfs, uh, but my guess is over the course of the next 20 years, they see a lot of money uh, being pulled out uh, by all the, the commercial and, and apartment real estate. Right. And, and right now, the the Vikings practice facility, which I'm sure is getting all of the attention, all the resources, that's just a 40-acre plot, and they own a 200-acre plot. So they have an additional 160 acres that they would like to fill. And you're right, that's going to take years and years and years, especially if you've got to woo you know, various businesses and make various deals with whatever residential you know, real estate companies and restaurants and hotels, and you have to find partners and all of that. Speaking of commerce and business, have you ever heard of or been to the Bud Grant garage sale? 
I've heard of it, but no, I have not uh, been to it. And I and it, this thing has gotten some national attention. I, I believe I saw something on SportsCenter or ESPN the other day nationally. This is this has become a well-known thing. Yeah, it's going on. I believe today is when it starts, and maybe the weather will deter some people. But I'm sure this is perfect Bud Grant weather, by the way. This is this is how it's supposed to be. Short you sleeves just do the only, sale like in February. Yeah, only short sleeves allowed. You can't wear coats over to the Bud Grant garage sale. He'll be there walking around. I mean, I don't know where he gets all the merchandise. I don't know if it's all just sitting around in his collection, or if he goes out and brings in new merchandise, or if he you know collects it from some collector i'm not sure where he gets it all i should probably read more into it but apparently he's got bobbleheads this year that he'll be giving out i guess it draws people from across the country and across the world the bud grant garage sale he's 89 years old and to me from interviews i've heard he's still as smart as a whip he's extremely vital I just love that kind of zest for life at that age that you're still taking people's money, you're selling, you're making a business for yourself. I think that's great. My favorite Bud Grant story, and, and honestly, I never had a chance to play to him, missed, missed him by about 30 years, but uh, was um, I walked out of the practice facility one day just during the season, during the fall, and right in front of the right in front of Winter Park, there's a sort of a circle drive, and he is parked right on the right in the front of the basically the front door to go into the practice facility, and he has his truck, and the back of the the back gate of the truck is opened up, and there is a dead deer that he had shot that is bleeding all over, just laying in the back of the truck, and uh, I'm like, well. That's Bud Grant. That's why everybody loves him. That's 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 like my favorite, my own personal favorite Bud Grant story. That is outstanding. And he was probably what, 81, 82 at that point and just rolling in with a with a big old buck or a doe in the back of his truck. That's outstanding. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure why he stopped by the facility if he wanted to show somebody or, you know, maybe he was going to have the equipment guys help him dress it or something. I I have no idea. I feel like they should mount the trophy bucks like in the locker room or something. Like put put the head on a plaque with the the ten points and all that. Just Bud Grant's trophy bucks. So he is, he is something else. He's one of a kind. That's for sure. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. All right. Well, there's something I want to start doing here on Lockdown Vikings, uh, kind of a division review slash preview. Let's go division by division and talk about where we stand. Let's start with the NFC East, Dallas, Washington, Philadelphia, and New York. Dallas was, of course, the champion last year. New York also made the playoffs. Washington was above 500 and Philadelphia on the rise with Carson Wentz. Seems like a very competitive division. And just a quick glance at some of these free agents. You know, Dallas re-signed Terrence Williams, but they made a number of small deals. You've got Washington, who brought in defensive tackle Stacey McGee. They kind of tried to address that defense and really bolster it. Um, Philadelphia, you know, they went out and they addressed the offense. Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, they're getting Carson Wentz some weapons. And then the New York Giants, guess who their biggest free agent signing was? 
Rhett Ellison, they actually gave the most money this offseason. So from what you've seen in the offseason here, Sage, uh, where do you think the NFC East shakes out? Well, this is, I think, I think this is the best division to watch uh, just in general in the NFL. And even when it's not a great division, you know, the, the best teams are nine and seven or 10 and six. There's just so much, you know, media spotlight in the division. There's, there's great players, you know, historic franchises. Everybody but Washington has won multiples, or I'm sorry, everybody but Philadelphia has won multiple Super Bowls. Obviously, Washington run, won plenty in the 80s and, and I think the early 90s and uh, the Giants have won plenty. The Dallas has won plenty. So it's a great division. Obviously, tons of media spotlight. Um, always on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, primetime games. Uh, so, uh, but the, the way I look at it is, you know, Dallas had such a good year last year. I don't expect them to have the same year, even though Dak Prescott is, you know, one year better. Everything just seemed to go right in a lot of ways last year. And, you know, there might be an injury or two along that offensive line. You just never know what's going to happen. So I, I do see them winning the division, but I don't see them getting 12 or 13 uh, wins uh, like they did last year. I believe they had 12. So I, I see them as the 11-win football team. I see probably the second-best team is uh, the New York Giants uh, with Eli maybe getting nine wins, 10 at the most maybe. You know, always seems like the Giants are always on the cusp of getting the playoffs. Either they're 8-8 eight and eight or 10-6 and six or somewhere in between, and they sneak in or they, they barely get left out. Uh, and then Washington, I look at sort of very, very, very similar. I actually think this might be a down year for Washington uh, for a lot of ways. One, they lost their offensive coordinator, Sean McVay, who's now the L.A. Rams head coach. Uh, I think that was a huge loss for them. You know, Kirk Cousins has been – pretty much in the same offense since he's been in Washington, even though he's had two different head coaches. Uh, he had the Shanahan's, and then McVay was there and then stayed and pretty much ran the same offense as, as Kyle and Mike Shanahan. So uh, this is, that's going to be a big change for him and that team, and I think they're going to you know fall. They might only win, uh, say, seven games this year. And, uh, and Philadelphia, I like, is a team on the rise. I think they were 8-8, eight and eight, but they beat five playoff. I think they won five games last year against playoff teams which is a great sign, and I think they might be a team that could win 10 games in that division this year. So very, very competitive. I see Dallas at the top. I see New York and Philadelphia in that second spot, and I see Washington as the number four team, but still a very dangerous ball club. Yeah, one other thought on Washington. You mentioned they lose McVay. They also lose Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson. So Cousins losing a ton of not only you know play calling prowess with McVeigh, but he loses a couple of playmakers with Garçon and Jackson. This is a division though with a bunch of solidified quarterbacks. I mean, you've got Kirk Cousins obviously is pretty fantastic. Dak Prescott seems like he's going to be a star in this league. Eli Manning's a Super Bowl winner, and Carson Wentz, a former number two pick overall. So as far as quarterbacks go, you might have one of the best compilation of four QBs in the league with really no deadbeats of the bunch. Dallas is the intriguing team here. You had such a good year from Prescott, such a good year from Elliott. Which of those two who were star rookies last year, which do you think is more susceptible to regression in their second year? I think it would actually be uh, Zico Elliott, um, and not to speak not because you know physically he's going to be you know beat up from just one year in the NFL, but I do know they have at least one spot along that offensive line, if not two, that is changing out uh, because of free. You know, I think they have a free agent loss, maybe it was a guard uh, loss this offseason, mm -hmm. maybe it was a tackle, um, and I think that the uh, progression of their quarterback Dak Prescott 
my guess is Scott Lanahan, the offensive coordinator, will start giving Prescott more responsibilities, uh, more abilities to check plays and to passing plays versus runs that they would have left on the pass, which means maybe a little bit less responsibility uh, in the running game. So I think it's a mixture of uh, not quite a good offensive line uh, and, and a little more responsibility for the quarterback. So I, I sort of see Prescott uh, and, and Elliott sort of swapping spots a little this year made Prescott a little bit more important than Elliott uh, as Elliott was the go-to player last year. This is amazing to me. I'm looking at the departed free agents from Dallas. And, and first of all, it was Ronald Leary. That was the guard who left that you were referring to. So they, they lose Leary on the offensive line. But look at the defensive departures from Dallas. Granted, some of these players are not necessarily key players on that defense. Some of these are depth guys. But just look, look at this list. Safety, Barry Church, gone. Brandon Carr, cornerback, gone. Defensive tackle, Terrell McLean, gone. Defensive end, Jack Crawford, gone. J.J. Wilcox, free safety, gone. Morris Claiborne, gone. Ryan Davis, gone. I mean, they they had like six guys leave that defense. So, I mean, obviously that offense is good, but when you're going up against the other quarterbacks in that division, you're going to have to have a solid defense. So, I think that, if, if anything, is prime concern for Dallas's regression as a team. Yeah, that has to be you know big concern. And again, another reason that maybe Elliott doesn't have quite the same years last year. They may not be up by you know two touchdowns versus teams. They might get in more shootouts than they did before. So uh, look, look for look for Dak Prescott to have a big year and Elliott to probably uh, not have as many yards on the ground. All right, last item of the day, ESPN gave grades on all of the NFC North off-seasons. As you might expect, Sage, and I think you'll agree with this, they graded the Bears the worst. They gave the Bears a C-minus on their off-season, which doesn't surprise too many people. And frankly, they weren't very generous with any of the grades. They gave the Lions a C, they gave the Green Bay Packers a B-minus, and they gave the Vikings a C-plus. So... They sort of liked the Vikings addressing the offensive line. They liked that they moved on from Adrian Peterson. They didn't like how much they paid Latavius Murray. They didn't like that they didn't extend Sam Bradford. But otherwise, ESPN was somewhat complimentary of the Vikings offseason. I think that's a, a fairly accurate assessment, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think these grades sometimes are a little ridiculous. I mean, there's there's multiple situations of what teams can do in the offseason. You know, sometimes you have salary cap issues. So, you know, obviously Dallas had a salary cap issue where they basically couldn't pay all those guys in defense, and you just sort of have to let them go and try to draft younger, cheaper players to, to fill those spots. Uh, and I think the Vikings are the same way. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the salary cap situation, only so much you can do with the drafting situation because they did not have a first-round draft pick this year, lost in the Sam Bradford trade last year. So uh, there's only so much you can do. I think not signing Bradford to a long-term deal is fine. I mean, if he plays really well this year, he's going to get paid really well, uh, whether it's $20 million or $22 million or whatever it is. Uh, there is no reason for, the, for I think, the Vikings to uh, try to extend him too early because they don't know the Teddy Bridgewater situation. They don't know what, what's going to happen there. They don't know how Bradford's going to play this year. And if Bradford does play well, I promise you he'll want to stay in Minnesota. He has bounced around the NFL to a few teams. He has found a good home, a team that he likes. And I think if he plays well, he will want to stay here rather than going to some terrible team that needs a quarterback there's nothing like staying 
uh, within your own within the city you've been in for a couple of years, amongst teammates, among amongst a coordinator who he has been around for uh, a long time. I think that would you know sort of give the Vikings a little bit of leverage. In the fact that Sam Bradford doesn't want to leave at the end of the season, if he plays well, he will want to stay in Minnesota. And if you want to question ESPN's credibility on, on this even a little bit more, they recommend the Vikings sign aging 33-year-old center Nick Mangold off of an ankle surgery and start him above Pat Elfline. I, I don't know if that's great advice. I think you go with the third-round pick Elfline instead of the aging veteran Mangold. So I don't know about that, but that's what ESPN thinks. Yeah, everyone has their opinion, and that's that's what you know all the big media outlets do in the offseason. They love to grade the draft. They love to grade teams in free agency. You know, if, if you're signing a lot of players in free agency, that means you haven't done a very good job in years past, and you go out, you have to go out and spend a lot of money. So, uh, I think the Vikings have done more in free agency than they have in the past, and I think they had a pretty good draft despite not having a first rounder. Episode 199 in the books, and if you're playing golf on this chilly weekend maybe look out for sage rosenfels on a golf course he might be here swinging the clubs so sage have a great time talk to you next week he is sage rosenfels at sage rosenfels 18 i'm sam ekstrom at sam ekstrom on twitter episode 200 on monday it'll be a big celebration big plans in store what are they we can't tell but that'll be next week on lockdown vikings Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.